Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch the Show, hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And it's Thanksgiving week, and, and David and I are, are thankful for a lot of things. Uh, we're thankful for, for food. We're thankful that the Chargers can't finish football games. We're thankful <laughs> for our families and our friends. And we're also thankful for movies, as always. And, and we kind of wanted to talk about that. We kind of wanted to talk about movies that we're thankful for um for for whatever reason so that's what this episode's going to be about we're going to each list three movies that we're thankful for um and and see where it goes from there should should be a good one i'm excited about this you ready david oh i was born ready i doubt that um <laughs> so yeah stick around after this I'm also thankful for that intro music that, that David made in, in 17 minutes one day. Uh, shout out to him. That's great. We, we could have talked about Thanksgiving movies, uh, but then that would just be a 30-minute conversation about the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles um, because I don't, I, I don't know of another Thanksgiving movie that exists. And if, it, if there is one, I haven't seen it. There are Thanksgiving scenes in movies, but there are not Thanksgiving movies. Yeah. Thanksgiving is an inherently unsexy holiday. And I say sexy as in not sex appeal, but as in general appeal, attraction, um, excitement, because Thanksgiving is about getting as overweight as possible from one meal and then laying down. All right. There's no romance involved with Thanksgiving. There's no scary traditions. There's no nothing. Your tradition is overeating, which is just not very good to film. Um. So we, we decided to do movies we're thankful for. David, when you were making your list of three movies, what was the criteria you were using to try to try to make it? I think the biggest thing for me was just simple, like simply the overall satisfaction with either a part, like a, a performance or just like the movie, whether it be an end to a series or um, something that I've seen over and over again in something i'm not getting tired of you know uh so i think those are kind of the big things of like that performance was incredible or dude that was a, such a good movie i'm so satisfied and and uh, you know we're kind of going to get into this like obviously movies we're thankful for are probably gonna be some of our most favorite movies like of all time but we've mm -hmm. talked about those a lot both both you and i's favorite movies mm -hmm. um so again that, that was another aspect of okay i want to try something i we haven't talked about i want to try to fix something that we haven't discussed on this pod so mm -hmm. I'm I'm glad you went with that because I went with a different explanation. I think that's what's so cool about this this kind of prompt that that we've given ourselves is when I went for the movies that I selected were movies that I think for the most part introduced me to or opened my eyes to other films like them. Uh, movies that were kind of almost acting as gateways are the ones that I selected. Um, so I, I tried to go back and pick ones that really shaped what I watched and how I thought about movies as a whole, because like you said, it, it could have been easy. Like my, my first answer when I was like movies, I'm thankful for it's, it's the Lord of the Rings series. And it's because there's my favorite movie series of all time. I was introduced at a young age and it's something that I bond with my father about like that's, that's super simple. Mm -hmm. Right. But I've said that multiple times in this pot. So I'm glad that we, we kind of both, went different directions, but also talking about movies we haven't talked about as much. So with that being said, David, give me the first movie that you are thankful for. Training Day. Man. <laughs> Den starring Denzel Washington, Ethan Hawke. 
Um, I, I kind of I hinted at this. Just simply Denzel's performance. Uh, this is a top three movie of all time for Denzel Washington, and probably ninety nine point nine nine percent of all Denzel Washington lists. Training Day's up there. Um, he's just so good in it. Uh, and there's a couple spe- scenes specifically. It's like you quote this scene and you don't know where it's from. Like this is one of them because he's just. He's good. He's so good in it. Um, he's in his bag. He's in his element. He understands the role um, of Alonzo Harris, uh, and uh, he, he does it well. So for me, I'm thankful for Training Day because um, it's a movie I didn't see growing up. Uh, rated R, some stuff. You know, my parents weren't really want me to see or hear, um, but it's one that I was able to see recently, and I was just like, dog you, you just got to sit back and like enjoy it when denzel's just going off you know and it's just it's cool to see that you sit there and you're like this is i'm thankful for denzel washington because man i, I this is a sub not this movie he's a it's just such a subpar movie and he's carrying this role i feel like that happens in a lot of his movies you know but there are uh instances of this where it's really just a good movie and a lot of it's because denzel just is one of the greatest actors of all time so my first one is training day yeah, I think uh, this is like a movie that maybe people don't mention enough now um, when it comes to like greatest performances of all time because it's almost like cliche to say that, but but it really is. It, it, it really is ridiculous how good Denzel is in Training Day. I mean, it, it's one of the only times he plays a villain in a movie, just an outright villain which is already special because anytime you get a great actor and you're like, okay, we're going to do this. Um, we're, we're, he, he's going to play a villain. You're already excited because it's almost easier, right? It, it is mm. almost easier to play villains, but man, he's so good. in this, um, it, it's ridiculous. He did not win. Uh, well, no, he did win. Okay. He he won for Training Day. Was nominated up against Russell Crowe for A Beautiful Mind, Sean Penn for I Am Sam, Will Smith for Ali, and Tom Wilkinson for In the Bedroom. Tom Wilkinson's kind of the weakest one of that link, but he went up against four perennial Jeez. powerhouses in that time, and, and it was it was his all the way. Um, and yeah. yeah, Training Day is a movie that it's a masterclass. Um, performance from Denzel, but also what I think about a lot is Ethan Hawke's right there with him, which is real difficult mm. to do. Ethan Hawke was a yeah, young actor at the time as well, um, had been in a lot of like '90s independent cinema, but it hadn't been like a mainstream guy, um, and is in this movie with Denzel alongside him, and he doesn't get like a lot of times actors get blown away by other actors mm-hmm. like it's they're just not even in the same league but he is he was playing with denzel and that's impressive but yeah training it days is. That, wow that's training crazy. days really really good um i i would agree i'm I'm thankful for that movie as well especially because it, like you said the quotes which you can't really use in your everyday life but they're so <laughs> iconic that you can literally everybody's thinking of the king kong one right now everybody that has seen the movie is thinking of the king kong one king kong and kong yeah, I mean that ending, that ending scene, the monologue where everybody surrounds him, and he's like, "You'd be playing basketball in Pelican Bay." Like he he just takes over, and you're just mesmerized yeah, yes. for the entirety of that scene. So, yeah, yeah, it's like leave the camera rolling, just 
keep going. Yeah, just keep let going. him cook. Keep going. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Yeah. What's He's great. what's your uh what's the first movie that you were thankful for? My first movie um is Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill Volume One. Um now mm. I often consider the Kill Bill movies one movie because that's what Quentin Tarantino considers them. Um, he technically has released 10 films at this point, but he only counts himself as releasing nine. Uh, that's because uh, he counts Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 as one film. Uh, he wanted it to be released as one film, but it was not going to be. Kill Bill Volume 1 is the first movie that I saw where I was like, wow, they can make movies like this? Like the stylized uh, violence that's in this movie is different than anything I'd ever seen up until this point. I, I think I first saw it. I, I'd been wanting to see it for years. I'd seen compilations of like, I, I was a dumb kid, not dumb kid. I was just a kid that used to look up like movie fight scene compilations on YouTube all the time. And I'd seen Kill Bill in it a bunch and I was clamoring. I think I was like 14, 13 or 14. I was, I gotta watch this movie. Like, I really want to see it. I got it for Christmas on Blu-ray, watched it. And what blew me away wasn't the, the violence, that, the action scenes, but the acting, the dialogue. Like Tarantino has a style, right? We all recognize the style. We've seen people try to imitate it. And for a lot of people, Pulp Fiction is kind of their introduction to Tarantino style. It's his first big movie, um, and, and it's the one everybody sees first. Well, it's not the one I saw first. I saw Kill Bill Volume 1, and I was like, they can make movies like this? Like you can be making fun of the genre while also paying homage to the genre you're in. You can do ridiculous over the top stuff. Characters can talk like this and just like everything is so dripping with sarcasm and wit, but you're hanging on every line reading and Uma Thurman is fantastic. So yeah, this was the first movie where I was like, whoa, they make movies like this. And then I, of course, after this was like, I got to watch every Tarantino movie. I got to watch the knockoff Tarantino movies. I got to go back and see all the movies that this was influenced by, you know, so many iconic moments like the, the, the music that happens when the crazy 88 are, are walking in to the club is like the, bah, bah, bah. I was like, what? I've heard that song all my life. And Tarantino is making a reference to the song that I, I know so well. It, it's just the self-referentialness, the star-making performance from Uma Thurman, and just the film-making prowess. I was like, okay, I, I am branching out from what I regarded as popcorn casual movies, which is not bad, but movies like where I, if you asked me before, all my favorite movies are a franchise or a kid's movie or something like that. To where now I'm like, I want to see more of this. Not even like deep independent movies, but I just want to see more of this. And that's what Kill Bill Volume 1 did for me. So that's funny because he's kind of cheating because he says he wants to make 10 films and retire, right? Yeah. So now with this, he's like, technically I got one more because I consider those one movie. So that's Well, yeah, there, it's a little bit of cheating, but he did originally when he made this movie intend to release it as one four-hour movie, and then Miramax mm -hmm. and Harvey Weinstein were like, "No, we need to. It needs to be cut in half because um, it won't retain. Yeah, because people, like, people will not go pay to watch a four-hour movie um, like this. Yeah, which he's it, they they may be right, but uh, you can't I, be mad at me. I still I still haven't seen Volume Two. That is just asinine. I know, I know. Okay, I just, well, I need, I just need to rewatch. Your, your one homework is yeah, rewatch one and watch. We're just watching back to back. It's a, it's yeah. I watched through some Did maybe we, ulterior methods. 
watched uh, the whole bloody affair, which is just both of the movies cut together seamlessly. And it was just a beautiful experience. It's so good. This is still my favorite. Did we watch volume one together in college? Hudson? Yes. Was it Hudson freshman year? Yes. I made you guys watch it. TJ fell asleep halfway in. Zach was bored. Yeah, TJ's room. And you and I thought it was fantastic. So. Yeah, which that's literally been the story. That's how it always works with us. So, so yeah. Um, Okay, though. David, what do you got at at number two? Uh, Number two for me uh, is going to be Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. I'm very, very thankful for this movie. Actually, we uh, Sophie and I are rewatching the series now, and this is the final one that we have left to watch. Um, but man, Harry Potter is kind of for you and Lord of the Rings. Like Harry Potter was the movie franchise franchise that like my family watched together. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, like this, this was the series that we watched. Um, we watched part one and two in theaters like together. Like our family went opening night and watched it together, uh, and. So yeah, not only is there like an emotional like connection, but like I, I think part two was just so good for me. One, just the maturity of the actors um, and, and seeing their growth and seeing them peak here. But a big thing for me is just the Snape reveal was just so beautiful for me in this movie. Um, and like I've already seen it and I know it's going to happen. And I'm excited to see this again because, man, this entire series, the entire school, like thinks Snape is bad, like, and he dies being thought of as this person who, who snuck inside Hogwarts and to help Lord Voldemort, you know, and for you, for then to that be revealed of like, no, like this was the plan the whole time between him and Dumbledore and this needed to happen. And he he was good the whole time. Like, I know the first time I watched it, like I I cried because I was like, oh my goodness, I've like hated Snape Uh this, the, all these years, you know, and Uh he was integral. He was a needed part in like the success of harry and and everyone else so i just love it graphics are the best obviously the most money and yeah right and put into this movie and like i said like these three specifically with uh hermione uh harry and ron like they just at this point they're just perfect together right they've had seven movies previously together and uh yeah very very good movie for me and i'm very very excited to watch this again because I just know all the emotions are going to hit. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Not a books guy then, if you were surprised by the Snape thing. Have you read the books ever? I never finished it. Hmm. Okay. I started it and I think, I think Goblet of Fire, I got to Goblet of Fire and it's like, what, five, like 100, 600 pages. And I just could, I could never finish that. Hmm. Well, I think you, I I would recommend you do that now. I think it'll give you a new appreciation. Uh, the movie ending, I will say, is better than the book ending, in my opinion, um, which mm-hmm. is rare. Normally, that's the other way around. I think this mm-hmm. Deathly Hallows Part 2 has the best moment of the entire um, series for me, which is it's following. Okay, you're going to have to remind me which one of the twins dies. I, is it is it Fred or George? Fred, Fred and George? Yeah. So we just watched it, and he may die in this movie but his ear gets blown off and he doesn't die in part one yeah i just need to know which which twin died what whichever twin died fred i think it's that's like one of the saddest moments of the whole series and then um bellatrix who killed the kid 
like goes to try to kill Ginny, essentially. And Molly Weasley steps in and says the best <laughs> line of the entire series. And then kills Bellatrix Lestrange, which for me was like the I, I actually watched the I watched the first four movies when I was little and then hadn't seen the rest of them. My family was not a Harry Potter yeah. family. Um, and then I just watched them for the first time last year. I watched the end of the series. And that was like the biggest like fist pump moment I had. I, I, I really enjoyed that. I think my favorite, and we can do this rankings another time, another Harry Potter episode maybe, but my favorite is still um, three. Uh, I think that's yeah. the best directed and just the best one. But the Deathly Hallows Part 2 is really up there. I really enjoyed that one as well. So, Yeah, Loki, like Beltix the Strange... She's up there for like one of the best villains. She's a very good uh, villain in this series. She's just crazy and like I think she might be better you know, than Voldemort. She, honestly, she's very, 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 very crazy. Like it's kind of scary. Like when you watch her on screen, you're like, "This girl is mm-hmm. ruthless." Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. That's my second pick. Uh, my second pick is another movie that I saw around the same time I saw Kill Bill Volume 1, probably a little earlier. And that is the movie 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, so, so good. let me tell you a little story about how stupid uh, younger Nathan was. Uh, first, younger Nathan did not watch rom-coms because he thought that those were not movies for dudes. He was like... As a women, they make rom-coms for women. It's chick flicks. I'm not watching it, which is a dumb opinion to have. If you're a guy that still has that opinion, um, maybe, maybe try to figure out what the actual underlying issue is and why you're so fragile in your masculinity. And then put that aside and watch 10 Things I Hate About You. This movie's fantastic. Um, it, it's prototypical rom-com. It follows all of the same beats, um, except it has Heath Ledger in it which is not something most rom-coms have and julia styles who's also great in this movie um it was the first time i'd ever seen a rom-com though like all the way through and so i was like wow. okay these actually kind of slap like i'm i'm digging what this a high format. bar to set for your very first right one, the man. first rom-com is one of the best ones ever like i i was like oh frick this is great i mean it's a shakespeare um it's a it's a play on taming of the shrew which is an inherently very sexist play. And it, it, they toned down some of those, the sexist nature of that play in this movie. But it's just a really fun movie. This movie is super fun. There's a lot of memorable scenes. Um, I very, very, uh, very distinctly remember the first time I saw the Julia Stiles Biggie Small scene uh, when she dances on the table at the party. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is my kind of movie. <laughs> but... The like the the you know the witty one liners the angry English teacher that's in every single one of these movies uh, the way that they they you have the great montage where they're having a good time and they break up and then they get back together and they break up again and you're like all hope is gone and then it comes back in the eleventh hour and also this one has the dual storyline I really enjoy the the Joseph Gordon Levitt Cameron and Larissa Olenek who's Bianca uh, I, I just think this is really good and it, it's got Heath Ledger in it um, but. No, just really well-written, funny, great. But again, open my eyes to like, oh, rom-coms are just good. Like, I should stop closing myself off to one whole genre. And now I, I watch them all the time. 
um, even the bad ones, like when I just watched this yeah, past week, watch horrible ones. Yeah, <laughs> called The Hating Game, which is a movie I can't in good conscience recommend to anybody. Here's a tip for for any and every person that's on the planet. If you want to watch a movie that's good, but you go to look at the cast list of the movie and in the movie is Lucy Hale. The movie's probably not good. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. That's that's going to be a bad film, most likely. So you should Bro, probably avoid Lucy it. Just, she's, Lucy's just catching strays right no, now. No, she's not catching strays. That was aimed directly at her. <laughs> she uh, She's bad. She's not good in the acting part. I don't know if it's... She just picks bad movies. Scream 4 is enjoyable. She's not in that much of it, though. So... That, but any movie she's the star of, not 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 normally bueno. So there's that for everybody. Just a just a pro tip. But David, how do you feel about Ten Things I Hate About You? I know you like this movie, right? Love it. I actually just recently watched it for the first time, and I have a play, I have a uh, list on Letterboxd, um, which you might be. I don't know. Maybe this is weird. I just I can't remember why I created it, but it, I have a. List that's films that made me cry. I have a I have a list. And this made the list like at the very end when she reads that poem. I don't know why. I was just like, dude, this is this movie's cracked. So yes, I uh I really like it. Of course, you know my love for Heath Ledger, and I think he does a really good job. Um, kind of a different role, obviously, than mm-hmm. the Joker. Uh, but yeah, man, this is this is a really good movie. Um. I, you every once in a while you have those movies that like you kind of sit back and you're like I'm not sure there's a weak performance in this movie. Yeah, and I feel like with this there's that. Like I feel like everybody does well in the role that they were mm-hmm. kind of put into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, this might might be the greatest rom com of all time. Probably top three for sure. Whoa, 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 that's that's another pot. Quit giving away our podcast ideas. Jeez. Hey, hey, come on. All right, David. Third, it's this. Yeah. Your third movie is an indie film I've never heard of. Can you explain it to me, please? Well, I, that's we've been talking a lot about like movies that people have clearly heard about. So I was like, I need to choose something that maybe somebody hasn't heard about. Just I don't know. I don't want people to be like, oh, I've seen this. Of course, my uh, third movie is Avengers: Infinity War. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Also, actually, on the list, also on the list that I just mentioned, uh, films that made me cry. Um, I just. Whatever your opinion of this movie, I don't know if I've ever been more emotionally invested in a movie like in my life, mm-hmm. like looking forward to it in it and coming out of it. I was just so emotionally drained um, in every aspect uh, because. Dude, it's just it's mayhem. I I think the biggest thing for me is like a movie and a superhero movie ending like for the first time ever not with the superheroes winning like it was just crazy you know even my dad was like i don't like this mm-hmm. my entire life superheroes have always come out on top mm-hmm. like i don't like that mm-hmm. you know and it was just mayhem and, and the the year it wasn't quite a year but the year of waiting for endgame is just like man i'm thankful for this movie and i wish i could go back and put myself in my, in the shoes of watching this for the first time of anticipating this for the first time coming out of this movie for the first time because man it was just so captivating with the full theater I, oh another thing never in my life have i been in a movie theater and people like 
scream and cheer and or people sit at the end of the movie for two, three minutes in complete silence without moving. Like there's just a lot of firsts happening in the movie theater for me with this film. And uh, it was just loaded. It's very, very good for me. Uh, this this is one of the few movies that I have a, a perfect rating uh, on Letterboxd. Um, so yeah, my my third movie that I'm very thankful for is Avengers, Avengers Infinity War. Nathan, how much did you cry in this movie? I don't know if I ever remember actually crying. I think it was the stunned silence was my reaction at the end. Um, yeah. Even though I knew they were going to, to in the end win, right? You know that there's another movie coming. They originally had titled Infinity War, Infinity War, and then Infinity War Part 2, which they had later changed to Endgame. So you knew there was another movie coming and they were going to win in the end, but I didn't expect them to lose in the beginning, right? I expected them to be like, all right, small victory, but Thanos is coming back, right? And they didn't do that. And I think maybe I may have teared up at the, you know, Mr. Stark, like what's happening? I don't, please don't let me go. I don't want to go. Please don't let me go. Oh, uh, that part yeah. is really good. I, there's some revisionist history going on where people are like, actually, Avengers Infinity War is kind of a mess. Shut up. Okay, you can critique Marvel and not like the superhero thing. This is one of the best things they've ever done. I don't think there's really an argument in that it's insane how they were able to pull all this stuff together and oh my goodness, yeah. bring all these characters into one film and make it cohesive, give them all equal, semi-equal amounts of screen time, keep us interested in everybody like it's crazy. This is better than Endgame. Um, I, I, I don't think that's a hot take. This is one of the five best Marvel movies ever and one of the five most impactful movies of the last 20 years. Um, and yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's insane. And it's an insane feat. Um, the sad thing is, is that it, it is really the peak. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're on the downhill side of that. And I just can't get as excited anymore. Which is how this always works. You know, you can never be excited. You know, you're always going to look, grass is always greener. But really, like, no matter what happens with the rest of the MCU, and it saddens me because I love superhero movies and they are also subsequently killing the movie industry in many ways which is not fun something we can talk about more but this movie will forever be one i look back on fondly because yeah like you said yeah everything just came together at one time it's a lot of firsts for everybody and it is the first time we've ever seen that much build-up come through you know there's literally dozens of movies that precede it all right there's there's 19 movies right before this and and you watch it all and you've been a fan for, for a decade and it all comes together and it culminates in this and then in the the right way, epic moment. And yeah, and it pays off. And like 99% of me right now wishes they just stopped after in game, they just cut it off Mm -hmm. and they were done. Um, yeah, but yeah, we'll always have this. Yeah. Infinity war is fifth on the all time lifetime gross list. Uh, it made two, just over $2 billion behind Force Awakens, Titanic, Avengers Endgame, and Avatar. Uh, just, I, I just real quick looked this up because I was curious. To give an idea of how much $2 billion is, uh, and I'll just use this one stat because I think it was the craziest. Uh, if you could live for 2 billion minutes, you would live until you were 3,805 years old. That's some Old Testament That's type stuff right is. there. Yeah. 
Sheesh. Uh, a lot of money. So you say it's one of the most impactful movies. You're not lying because it really, obviously, it's impactful because the movie that preceded it then made it actually seven hundred million dollars more. Uh, you know, so yeah. And you could say it's also impactful for the wrong reasons because now everybody's trying to do this, and they think it's possible. Which it's it's like it's lightning in a bottle. It's like. You're not going to you're not going to do this again. It's just it's not going to happen. There is not going to be an experience. I don't care how good the DC universe gets. There will not be a movie like this. And there's never going to be another Marvel one. The next Avengers movie is not going to be like this. It's never going to be this good again. Um, But we'll always have this. And yeah, you're right. I'm thankful for that. Uh, Last last for me, last movie we're going to talk about on this podcast. And that is Bong Joon-ho's Best Picture Masterpiece. 2019's Parasite, um, uh, a movie that I did not want to watch at first. Same. I am a contrarian at heart. I love to not like the things that other people love. Um, and I fight to overcome that a lot. Sometimes it makes me a jerk. Other times um, I feel like it. It, it, it forces me to not like things I should. Um, I didn't want to watch this movie. And there's a big reason for that. And the big reason for that is that it was being heralded as the best movie of the year, which I already was like, I bet it's not because I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I've seen these other movies that are going to be running against it in Best Picture. It's not. Mm. And it was not in English. I'd seen that's your last name, bro. Right. It is. It is. (laughs) And it's the language in which I speak. Um, And I was resistant. I'd seen movies that were not in English before this point, but all of the movies had either been a for class in high school or B action movies and action movies not being in English isn't always that big of a deal because I don't really have to pay that much attention to what the subtitles are saying because the the it's action like the raid for example i, I, to bring I don't yeah. need to know really that much about the dialogue that's going on in the raid because the raid is about fights and parasite as stupid as this opinion was for me and i'm glad i've grown past it i was like i don't want to watch this movie because it's not in english and i'm just going to be focused on reading subtitles the whole time i don't like subtitles on movies unless it's not in english because i my eyes will go downward most of the time, I will only be looking at the bottom of the screen. I will miss things that are happening. I hate doing that. But yeah. Parasite wasn't that way. I started watching this movie and it's cliche and it's boring and it's overdone. But 15 minutes in, I forgot I was reading the movie. You know, the way that this story unspools is so beautiful and you never know what's really coming next. It's hilarious. It's scary. It's a culturally resonant movie about class struggle. It's heartbreaking at times. It's disgusting at other times. It is everything you want in a movie packed into one. Um, and it really is that good. It, it is amazing how good this movie is. And it turned me around. And now I actively seek out if somebody tells me this movie's good or I read, wow, this foreign film is really good. I get more excited because I'm like, this is a whole new world of movies that I was closing myself off to that I've now opened myself up to. And it's because of Parasite, because Parasite I watched and maybe for for worse, honestly, because Parasite's such a high bar, but it was so good 
that I was like, okay, now I just need to watch. Like I've, I've shut myself off from a bunch of foreign movies. I need to see them. I need to watch Roma mm-hmm. now. You know, I need to see this French movie. I need to see this. This even led to me watching a movie like RRR. I never would have watched RRR, a movie that is yeah. three hours long and entirely in a language I don't speak. Unless I watched a movie like Parasite. So I have to be thankful mm-hmm. for what Parasite gave me. It opened my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, this movie's wild. I, uh, like, it was good. It was really good. But then at one point I was like, this is insanely good. Like this, I don't. I'm not gonna say much because there's so many people who haven't seen it. I was just like, oh my gosh, what in the heck? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I came in with much different expectations to this movie, uh, and they changed for the better for sure. Um, yeah, really, really good movie. And actually, on Letterboxd right now, this is the number two ranked movie on the uh, official top 250 narrative feature films on Letterboxd. Like it's the second highest rated movie on this app. And it's been number one or number two for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing it's behind is the 1985 uh, Come and See. Which is another which is movie, movie still need to see. That's not in English um, yeah. either. Uh, but yeah, this, I, I, I really was hesitant before to watch movies that were all in a different language. And that was kind of like that last hurdle because I was worried that one, I won't, I, it was, uh, it's, this is kind of a lot of work. I have to pay, you know, you have to pay attention more. If you're watching a movie in a foreign language, you have to pay attention. And two is, well, what if I miss it? What if I don't get it? And you know, what if the, a lot of these are cultural jokes that I'm not understanding or cultural references that I don't get, but Parasite's not that way. Parasite is a movie that transcends language and speaks to you in ways that you understand, tactile ways that you can see in your everyday life. Um, and it's just, it's exactly the way that a movie should be made. And it's far and away deserving of Best Picture. I, it, it's not my favorite movie of that year. It, it isn't. That movie is still Little Women. It will probably always be Little Women. Parasite should have won Best Picture. And that is one of the few times that the Academy just stone cold got it right. And I'm thankful mm. for that as well. Well, that's something also with like All Quiet on the Western Front. Like that's a foreign film of like, yeah, you have to read. But yeah, it's just like. You, you can tell also the quality of that foreign film when you, what you just said, like you forgot your reading subtitles because the movie's so good and you're so just infatuated and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's another one. All Quiet on the Western Front that like they, they got it right. Even mm-hmm. though it's not in English, like it's just such a high quality film. But Parasite, yeah, very thankful for that. I think that also, like, I I think Loki that like transformed foreign films too, like with Parasite in this. Because I'm pretty sure hasn't this director now kind of done some more. Um, Okja. Well, Okja, all those movies were released before this, so that movie Snowpiercer. Okay. But those are movies primarily in English. What I think you hit on. Um, I think this movie had the same effect for a lot of people that it had on me. Um, because this is the first time a foreign language movie has won Best Picture. And mm-hmm. um, I believe Bong Joon-ho was the first, um, he was the first Asian filmmaker, I think, to win Best Director as well. Um, so this is a movie that opened people's eyes. It had the, it had the same effect it had on me to, with a lot of other people. So maybe 
you know, maybe it didn't change the way that other movies are made, but it changed the way that Americans perceive them. Um, and we're spoiled, you know, uh, for other countries, it's not. And I don't want to get into this like American excellence thing, but I mean, Hollywood is the main pop culture hub for the planet in a lot of ways. So a lot of other movies, you know, movies like we just talked about, like Avengers Infinity War, those are movies that people see in other countries, but we don't necessarily, we're not going to the box office to see theirs. You know, we're we're not trying Mm -hmm. to see what the best movie in Korea is or the best movie in China or the best movie in France. You know, we don't do that. Um, And we should, we should do that because we, then we get to watch movies like Parasite. Um, So I think that that had that effect on a lot of people who maybe were into movies, but like, this is kind of a, this is an area I'm going to stay out of. But it opened mm-hmm. people's eyes and I think pushed a lot of people towards that, which is honestly for the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pick. That's a really good pick. That's kind of like a, which it's weird that's a hidden gem considering it won Best Picture and it's the second highest rated movie. It's still on a, underseen. On but it's like, still, it's still yeah. just terribly underseen. Yeah. Did you have any movies? Um, well, what do you want to do? Movies that like are considered your favorites that you almost put on or just simply movies that legitimately almost made the list that we haven't talked about? Uh, movies that almost made the list, but for dumber reasons. Uh, let's go. <laughs> okay. The first one is the movie Expendables. Um, and that's because this was one of the first R-rated movies that I've ever seen that introduced me to the kind of the R-rated action and what action stars were, which is ridiculous because it's actually the the almost worst version of that. And um, because it's all these guys way past their prime and stuff, I'd obviously seen, you know, Arnold and Sylvester Stallone and some of these other actors in other movies, but I'd never seen like pure action before. And I watched that movie and I was like, this is fantastic. I love this. I love action movies. Show me Total Recall. You know, show me Rambo. Show me Die Hard. Die Hard. Show me all these movies. So that's one. Yeah. Um, an even dumber reason is the movie Fighting with My Family, which is a wrestling movie. Um, and the reason for that is that was the first time I ever saw Florence Pugh act in a movie. <laughs> so, so I was thankful for that because then I wouldn't have found my favorite actress ever without that movie. Um, because I, I was, she was in other movies before that. I just had not seen them. And this was like, oh, this movie's about wrestling and The Rock is in it. Yeah, I'll watch it. And she's in it. And she's really good. At, she's honestly very good in that movie. Um, it's, it's an enjoyable watch. That's literally never been true about a Florence Pugh performance. Um, I can't believe you mentioned Fighting With My Family and you did not mention Vince Vaughn. That's kind of messed up. Why do you want me to miss? Stop. Stop. Why did you think I was going to mention Vince Vaughn? I'm just kidding. Um, and then I think lastly, uh, the fir- one of the first I've already talked about, but Blair Witch Project. I, I was mm-hmm. an anti-horror guy um, for a while. was like scared of being scared, essentially. Watched the Blair Witch Project and was like, that was freaking spooky. But I also had a lot of fun. I watched it with other people. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. So then mm-hmm. I have for that, that opened my eyes to, to horror movies in a new way that I, I didn't really think of before. And then I progressed obviously to the point now where I watched 30 uh, something in the last month, in, in the month of October. And most of them were solo viewing experiences. 
So that that that's mm-hmm. on there for me. What about you? What what things missed the cut for you? Uh, kind of a fun. I don't know. If, I don't want to call this dumb because this movie's cracked, and I don't care what you say. The Polar Express. Oh my! Like Loki gosh. almost made the list. Dude, I grew up on this yeah. mug, and yeah. it's just so good to me. It is so so good to me. Um, that one uh, almost made the list. Um, we we talked about Marvel. I, Iron Man almost made the list too. Mm-hmm. Like the first like Kevin Feige mm-hmm. like MCU movie, and it's honestly it's to this day it holds up. It's I think it's a top six, top seven Marvel movie that's been made, uh, and thankful for that. And then I think one that I put on here. And I think simply just because of the the movie theater viewing experience, to have another just incredible viewing experience was Top Gun Maverick. Mm. Very thankful for that this year because it, it wasn't quite like Infinity War, but it was up there for like this, just what a beautiful like ex- viewing experience to, and what an incredible thing to see in theaters. And yeah, that, that was a very fun watch to, that, to, to see. That was the first like time since the big, pandemic began where i was like oh shoot movies are back like we'd obviously seen good movies since then but like that theater experience was like oh frick movies are i love it it's so good that movie back like they never left i I saw that movie three times in theaters and i still think that wasn't enough times um i Mm. probably should have gone for a fourth I really should have. And, the, and when I saw it, it for the third time, it had been out for three months at that point, And our theater was almost full when I saw it for a third time. So, geez. Actually, I'm pretty sure. Let me go to this Lifetime. Yeah. Li- Top Gun Maverick is two, four, six, eight, 11th all time. Made $1.4 billion. Mm-hmm. Coming off the pandemic, making $1.4 billion is pretty insane. And. Tom Cruise was right. You know, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this because it's not even a little bit about the episode. But Tom Cruise told Paramount, you are not releasing this movie on streaming service. You are not dropping this on Paramount Plus. You will wait until theaters are open and you will release the movie. And they did. And he was freaking Mm -hmm. right because this movie slaps laps in a movie yeah. theater it's so very, good very glad my brother that. who has seen approximately eight movies in the last five years <laughs> said that it was amazing and he liked it he doesn't like anything that's not an episode of the office an nfl game or chopped you know so if <laughs> if, if if tom cruise can no, crack into his is his kind of niche for enjoyment then he's doing something right yeah Oh, and you you bet your bottom dollar, buckaroo, as soon as this comes to streaming service, I'm watching it again. Oh, yeah, of course. What, HBO probably? No, Paramount. I, probably Paramount Plus, I would imagine. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. I, don't, I think it's you can obviously Dang. VOD it right now, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, shout out to Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 2, 15 on the list all time, made $1.3 billion. Come on. I'm not bad for British people. Right? Crikey. Go USA. But uh honestly. Honestly, USA all the way. Um it's been movies we're thankful for. There's a, a list of three is not not long enough. We have very many movies that we're thankful for. Uh no limits on this. We probably just would have listed like our, you know, three favorite movies of all time. But we've already talked about those pretty mm-hmm. in depth. Pretty so. extensively, yeah. Uh yeah, but hey, it's been episode 55. Um, 
of what do you want to watch. It's Thanksgiving weekend. Eat a lot of food, watch a lot of football, and do not feel bad. And watch a movie. Watch a movie or two. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Put on a put on a movie. Watch watch a movie you're thankful for. Yeah. Even if it's you know even if it's bad. Like the Polar Express. Stop. (laughs) Even if Nathan hates it just unjustifiably. you know, yeah, maybe you enjoy it. maybe even watch Home Alone three if you don't like being good at, at thinking about stuff. If you think that movie's good, you got problems. That's funny. That was personal. Um, You're darn right. But hey, you know, thank y'all for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a have an incredible week. Have a blessed weekend. Blessed. Goodbye. <laughs>